Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Season 7, Episode 19. Julia and Eric Laywald. So that's our countdown done. It's the top of the hour, which means it's time to say hello there. Welcome along to San, uh, to uh, an Englishman in San Diego talking con each and every week um, at 6 p.m. GMT. I say that because I would usually launch into my uh, my usual spiel of 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, except the Americans, those crafty swines, uh, they've had their clocks uh, go forward, uh, which means uh, they've had an hour stolen from them criminally. And I think they should do something about that. They should uh, raise some ruckus. Uh, but basically, it means that we are changing times. We're a little bit out of sync, certainly for our American audience. So thank you very much indeed for bearing with us. It's uh, 11 a.m. Pacific and it's 2 p.m. Eastern. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. But 6 p.m. GMT here, um, which means um, each and every week we talk everything Comic-Con. We talk... Uh, the things that are happening in the world of comic conventions and pop culture. Uh, and, of course, we dive into anything else that you want to uh, get into. It is your show. It's all about your um, contribution. So jump in on the chat box, uh, on the uh, the Q&A, and anything you want to talk about, we'll try and get in the covering over the course of the next hour. But let's dive straight into uh, the, uh, the feature of uh, this particular show, our uh, special guests for this particular episode. And I'd like to welcome um, Julia... And Eric Lewald. Hello there. How are you? Yes, hi. Hello. Hi there. Hello there. A pleasure to have you on the show. It's so good to see you again. Uh, I think, the, I mean, we were talking just before we came on air. You said three years ago. I mean, I think, I think it was 2018. I was sat next to you in Artist Hour Alley. I was um, very glad to uh, get the chance to say hello. I know. Yeah, to see you after so many miles apart. And then there you are. I know. And, hi, and here we are again. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, well, it's like I say, a pleasure to see you again, especially when you've got lots of exciting news uh, on the horizon um, and stuff that's coming up, stuff that's happened. I mean, it's great to see the uh, resurgence in the interest in X-Men animated series with its uh, resurgence on Disney+. Plus. So it's great to have all that, uh, all the fan base, the fans that knew it from the, when it was first on the air, and now all this new um, audience that's discovering it for the first time. That's so, that must be so exciting. It has been a real thrill, especially because it had been kind of, uh, we, we sort of say the child of a sad divorce, that it hadn't had the support that something like Batman or Star Trek had had over the years. Uh, but now with the magic merger of Disney and Fox huh. and the entire world, uh, <laughs> <laughs> now here in the U.S., it is available on Disney+. And we have heard from so many people that they love watching it again, and they're introducing their kids to it who hadn't seen it before. and that if nothing else the theme song hooks them in so <laughs> so the right. kids are there for that that's been wonderful yeah we were spoiled we of course bought the dvds of the whole thing back in 2007 the, the moment <laughs> they came out mm -hmm. and so we've always had access to it but when we talked to the fans at the various comic cons they just said oh it's such so frustrating it was on tv and now for the last two years it's been off and what's mm -hmm. going on and we all kind of knew that it was Disney planning to to have it as being one of their their gems for Disney Plus. 
Well, for 20 years, we didn't know. <laughs> but right up until Disney bought everything, then it makes sense. <laughs> Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, first things first, I mean, I kind of like have uh, dived in uh, straight away because it, it's great to have all the friends and good, good to catch up with everyone. But uh, for those people who perhaps don't know who you are and what your relationship with the uh, the animated series, a quick introduction uh, to your uh, you know, like lead up to X-Men and also your history with the series. Just very briefly, who you are. I'm a TV animation writer, uh, Chippendales Rescue Ranger, Disney Afternoon. Then I got to be a writer on X-Men the Animated Series. In the meantime, I met Eric at Disney Afternoon. He was also a writer on all those different shows there. Right, I started a couple of years earlier at uh, Hanna-Barbera. Uh, the very first show I ever wrote for out here in 1985 was Challenge of the Gobots, the uh, alternative to the Transformers, if only, if only we'd known at the time. So yeah, three years at Disney, and then it happened that when uh, X-Men came up as a show. Possibility for As a Fox. possibility. They'd been wanting it. Uh, this wonderful woman named Margaret Lesh had been wanting to put it on for 10 years, and nobody put it on because no one in Hollywood thought uh, X-Men or Marvel shows would work. They just, just didn't see that there was an audience for them. So finally, she gets made head of the new Fox studio. She says, we're going to do X-Men. And she asks her right-hand man, Sidney Iwater, okay, well, who should we get to write, to be in charge of the writing on this thing? And it happened that I'd spent a year and a half over the past eight years working for Sidney. And he thought I was, I fit the show. I, I didn't know the X-Men. I was one, wasn't one of the comic books I read. But the night before we started, uh, he called up and said, guess what, you're going to be uh, in charge of the uh, development of and uh, the writing of the X-Men animated show. And I said, oh, boy. So for the five-year series run, Eric was in charge of all the scripts, all that, all the, the, the story side of it all. Right. Neither one of us can draw. That's all a, a large group of other people uh, who we depended on greatly. But but all the the... The stories were pitched to me. I was just, I was kind of the, the supervisor of the X-Men stories. And uh, if I didn't like it, it didn't get on the air. And if I did like it, I fought to keep it there. So so if, if, you, if you liked an episode, it's on me. If you did not care for one, it's on me as well. And depending on which one, it's on me or not. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and of course, of course uh, Julia was around for a great deal of our development time, yeah. had, had a word in getting some of the stories going. And got to write a few. Wrote two, but mm -hmm. would have written more, but she got her own shows. She got her own shows to, to, to supervise at the time, and so we lost her for, for large bits of the, of the time. So here we are. Just because yeah, that was quite condensing. That was that was quite impressive. <laughs> I think that it's very interesting um, to hear that you weren't uh, a, a, somebody who read the X-Men before you actually started the series. And um, certainly the other um, adaptations of X-Men have seen similar um, uh, kind of backgrounds where the people are behind them, they have heard about them and obviously are familiar to some degree of about the X-Men. But they're drawn more to the, the basic concept, that idea of uh, alienation, of um, segregation, and also the fighting for rights for a, 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 a certain period of a certain type of character. Now, do you think it was, it's an advantage for someone to come in not really being steeped in all of that? Because there was so much story there in the comics. There was so much baggage almost. Yeah. Is it an advantage to just come at it and kind of strip all that away and go for the kernel of the idea? Yeah, I it, it, I found it an advantage for, for me because 
they're people that knew and loved uh, the show. I've known and loved shows and have them memorized. I could, I could spout you whole half hour sections of early Star Trek episodes uh, from, from memory. Um, those kind of writers, and we had them, uh, they tended to be so excited about getting uh, X-Men characters and X-Men scenes and X-Men story bits that they liked in the show and tended to assume that the audience knew who who everyone was, what their relationships were, what their histories were. All the backstory. That we get a story idea that would pour in that would be about a 10-hour worth of story <laughs> idea jammed with 37 different characters. All of them had to show off their powers. And for those people, for the, for the fans, it was hard for them to pull back and just tell a simple story that maybe only showed Wolverine and Jubilee doing something with one guest character. It was, it was very difficult for them. I, I and the two, my two main writers, Mark and Michael Edens, who are friends from college, we were just more fascinated with heroic storytelling, not, we were not, not being X-Men fans, we weren't dying to see a seven-part story on, on Scott the, the, Starr. Yeah, the soap opera, the soap opera yeah. of X-Men, yeah. Well, I think we were able to filter it a little better and be able to just pick and choose. The, the fans brought, the, the fan writers brought all sorts of energy and mm -hmm. emotion and detail to us. And I think we were able to sift through and find out what would be the highlight for us or for an audience member that really didn't know the X-Men that well to start with. It also made us worry about making sure things were as clear as possible. We, we were told, and this is so hard to figure now, we were told in 1992 by the head of the network, 85% of the people that turn on the X-Men show won't know who the X-Men are, won't know what a mutant is, have never picked up a Marvel comic. You're going to have to make a show that they will understand as well. So that, I think, uh, part of that, that it helped, I think, that we weren't obsessive before. Obviously, we learned them very quickly, but uh, <laughs> we weren't obsessive going in. Yeah. Well, I and mean, it's, 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 oh, no, go, go ahead, Judy. Just approaching it as a writer, we were always told these are stories about people with eternal struggle. They happen to have superpowers. How does that play out? It wasn't all, we, we didn't approach it from what's the biggest, shiniest thing we can explode this week. It was always what's what's the internal story that can be told with these characters. Sure. I mean, I think it's also testament to yourself and the writing and the way that you developed the show. But you did, in fact, also sort of like envelop some of that, that soap opera, that uh, the, as well as kind of getting to the, the, the nugget of the story, you also brought some of the that big world of the X-Men uh, to the episodes. And I think that really did make the animated series stand out um, amongst the uh, the shows that were out there at the time. I mean, what was the reaction to the fan from the fans um, once the show came out? Were they just glad uh, to see an X-Men series on the air? It's hard to realize, but if you go back, way back to 1992, and you ask folks, name me five superheroes, they could give you Batman, Superman, maybe Wonder Woman, probably Spider-Man, and then it would kind of like, I don't necessarily know. But so the, the question of trying to introduce the X-Men to the world, we were dealing, what was that great line? Margaret Lesh, before she became president of Fox Kids, had tried to pitch Fox Kids to every network in town. They wouldn't buy it, but she would come in with some figure about. She said, yeah, they said that 
that one to three million people would read an X-Men comic during the, the, during the course of a week. And she could guarantee that audience. Out. And the, the network people said, well, we need more like six or seven. And million. Yeah, so sorry. But, but as to the fans, it was so different <laughs> back then, before the internet, mm -hmm. that we didn't, have, we didn't have any sort of pressure uh, before, you know, it took us, we started working in February and the show really properly premiered in the following January. 93. So, so that's 11 months. Uh, we had, during that 11 months, we got pressure from money people and pressure from merchandisers and pressure from Marvel and pressure from all sorts of creative people. But the fans weren't really aware of what we were doing because they weren't getting early scripts or recordings or they... Today they'd be on top of it every minute, but <laughs> uh, but but so we had the absolute luxury of doing the show we wanted to do, um, and then seeing what their reaction was. And with, within a couple of weeks in January, it was the number one show on on TV. We were really not expecting that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was we had all been let go. Every, every 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 one member of the creative team had been let go because they because the network thought well this is going to go one season and die. That's and, right. And so when it got this immense response, they of course had to scramble and hire us back. Not everybody was available because everyone had been out looking for yeah. new work. We've been working on other things for a few months, but uh, it was that it was it was it was a bit of a shock. We we thought we'd done our best work, but you never know if audiences will respond or not. So one story, I don't know if it translates internationally, but here in the U.S., the U.S. Postal Service has these large boxes, uh, sort of creamy white plastic boxes that they fill with mail to carry around. It's kind of standard here. Yeah, we have about 30 pounds and you can yeah. hold a couple, couple hundred letters. So I went to Fox Kids one day for, on business and asked the gal Charlotte Fullerton, who then was working at the Fox Network, she herself now an accomplished uh, writer, and just said, are you getting any kind of feedback? Because all we would get would be the weekly uh, faxed. We'd get the weekly uh, ratings from that were yeah. just clipped and sent to us. And she said, oh, yeah, well, okay, come here. Took me in the hallway, and there was a box, and it was full to the brim. And then it was stacked all the way up with boxes. and they were All the way to the ceiling. All the way to the ceiling, all the way down one side of the hall, and all the way back. And she said, these are all for X-Men. These are kids writing in, and they love X-Men. And it, I'd never, that was the first time I quantified it visually because back then you had to get a stamp, you had to get an address, you had to write on purpose, you know, to express what you wanted. And that amazed me. It just blew yeah, away. Yeah, because probably for the other eight or nine shows they had going at the time, there was maybe two or three boxes off in a corner. The entire hallway was, was X-Men uh, uh, letters from, from fans begging to know more about it. Because, uh, I mean, there's something that I've been really excited to see is um, how you've taken to the convention circuit and you've really kept the fire alive over the years. Um, <laughs> of the, the fandom, as uh, I mean, the fandom's always been there. I mean, the, the fact that they showed up at your panels and they've been very passionate and uh, you've seen them <laughs> eyeballed right there in, in front of you. But the fact that you've um, kept that those panels going and you've seen the, the fandom in front of you, uh, how has the fandom developed? Because that's actually a question that's come um, a little bit, and I'll kind of bring it in as well. Andrew Dickinson is asking, so um, let me just bring it up. If you started from fresh, how has social media <laughs> changed your approach? 
but I mean, I think also how would how's the fans developed, and how's how's the whole thing changed ever since the show came off air? For me now, because I'm the one who, who runs our, our Twitter feed, X Men TAS, for the animated series, uh, I am I hate to say it, but I'm I'm, I'm grateful that we are not currently live. Uh, because we can only talk about the show that was made. We can't change anything because someone got mad. We can't do anything different because it makes someone unhappy. Uh, I, we can just talk about how it was. And if you liked it, great, come on in, we'll chat some more. You know, that's kind of how we're, our, our world right now. I got to admit, it, it can be kind of scary uh, how, uh, how unpleasant the uh, internet can be. Uh, and I think that's a shame. Because, heck, you know, back with current, current. With, with current projects, with current anything, uh, I think it's wonderful that folks can find each other fan-wise. I think that's huge because, you know, again, way back years ago, you, you couldn't just sit down at a desk in your home and say, anybody else in the universe out there like the same things I do? Now, you were just alone liking the things you liked. You didn't know if anybody else was out there. Now you can sort of create your own tribe, which is great. Uh, but in terms of how you would handle it now, that's that's an interesting question. Yeah, it's it's wonderful to see. I mean, the the, the people say that are about forty now that may have been uh, twelve. Oh, age wise. Age yeah, wise. yeah, that were maybe twelve when the show came on. But we're seeing an awful lot of younger people, not just the children of the forty-year-olds, but younger people who have now seen the entire series and uh, and love it in the same kind of way. And that is really heartening. It's really. It's really humbling because we, we're big pop culture fans. We've watched hundreds of, of television series over the years. And there are three or four that stick that stay with you your whole life. Mm-hmm. It's like your favorite music, your favorite band. And to be that for some people is really a stunning thing. We didn't realize that until we got to the cons. Correct. And, and we talked to people one-on-one and they said, no, no, you don't understand this is my show and it's my three best friends show and it's now my children's show. And in a way that say, you know, when we met, uh, she was from Texas, I was from Tennessee. We met out here in California. Someone made a reference to the original Star Trek series and we started, you know, qu- quoting scenes to each other. <laughs> oh, you think you know? Oh, Star you think Trek. you know? You think you know? <laughs> 1966 through 1969 Star Trek. And this well, was pre-internet. You couldn't look yeah. it up. You had to know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you couldn't fake it with Google. You, you, you had to have seen it seven times. Right. Uh, you know, right after dinner mm-hmm. in syndication. Yeah. And, and memorize. I, I think I think I'd be able to pull that off with the next gen. I think yes, I would need a Wikipedia for the original series. <laughs> I mean, I watched it and I was a fan of the original series when it was on. But the, through the mists of time, I think yeah. I, would, I would need a Wikipedia page open somewhere. But now you can have a Wikipedia page. You can find this stuff out. But yeah. uh, again, as far as what would happen now, I yeah. And and, and another thing that, that is really very satisfying to us, you know, we've, we've each worked on over forty different shows, and good, bad, or indifferent. Some of some of them, you know, uh, have have uh, we're quite proud of, of the work we did. Some of them didn't work out well. But you always give it your best yeah, shot. Even yeah. ones that maybe perhaps thirty years ago we thought. Were, 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 had a real spark to them. Sometimes they don't age well. Sometimes they date. And uh, yeah, a number of shows that we enjoyed when we were children, if we watched them now, oh my God, did, did I really fall in love <laughs> with that? And, but 
for some, whatever reason, and it's a, it's a, it's a magical unknown to me for whatever reason, people can look at a 1992, 93, 94 X-Men episode and feel it's contemporary and not feel like, Oh, well, this is an, this is an old nineties thing that I'll look at it as a curiosity, but I could never get involved in it because it's, it's so dated. It hasn't happened. Well, I mean, that, 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 that kind of is represented by the success of it on Disney plus the fact that it is something that still holds up against contemporary animation. Yeah. You know, and again, look, the budgets were tight. (laughs) The time was short. You know, everybody was, the train had already left the station by the time this show got on its feet and running. But but in spite of those things, uh, it it still resonates with people, I think, in a really magical way. And and I'm thrilled about that. I'm thrilled to have been a part of something that has that kind of uh, uh, heart for people. That means that means the world to me. Sure. I mean, you do have that strong presence on social media, and uh, you, you do have those. You do, you do. You, I mean, there's there's that definite um, communication, that two way uh, support, and that real love uh, for the show that's represented by your account. But um, certainly at the conventions as well, um, you you have you know, the fans that come to see. You. But when it comes to you and cons, um, did you go to conventions? when you were developing the show and when you were developing your other shows, or was it something that you kind of got into once the show had gone? What was, what was your convention? It's, it's more now. It's more now. We, we went, uh, a bunch of us from Fox, including the head executives, went once the show, when the show was a number one hit there early on. I can't remember who was 93. It was 93, or, 90, July, July 90, 90, August, July 93. Right. And so it had been, it had been successful for most of a year and was, was a kind of a phenomenon. And, and it, and I, and I'd gone to them occasionally uh, uh, <laughs> to, uh, to just to, to enjoy other, other shows like, cause San Diego was, not that far from LA and it wasn't as overwhelming an experience back then. Yeah, and we're fans. But yeah. we're 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 not huge. We hadn't been big Congoers until we realized it was about to be the twenty fifth anniversary, nineteen ninety I mean two thousand seventeen. Two thousand seventeen. And I was in the middle of writing the book uh about uh, the making of the show <laughs> and realized that, that would be a that would be a you know, it's one thing just to say, well, we, we got a couple writers and a couple artists from the show. We'd like to talk about it. Okay, well, that's interest level one. But oh, we also have a definitive history of the making of the show here with where we interviewed 36 people and have lots of like fun art in it and whatever. So we had a, a kind of hook for the, the cons because going to cons can be very expensive, as you know, and having them fly two of us out and give us, uh, getting us a table and getting us... Uh, you know, panel time. Uh, that's really pretty much the you know, the the decision of the the con organizer who decides. Well, will there be enough people to buy enough tickets to justify the expense of bringing Eric and Julia out? So yeah, we're not artists. We can't sit there and draw you a brilliant sketch in yeah, a few minutes. Yeah, we don't have that skill, right? And and, and well, uh, I mean, the, the crowds still show up. I mean, they, 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 that. they, they, they show they come to the panels. Absolutely, they come oh, to see. Oh, oh, they did. There was wonderful uh, at WonderCon. We, we didn't expect this. We usually have panel rooms of two or three hundred people, mm-hmm. and then at WonderCon, gee, uh, was it a year ago? Two years, two years ago. They say, oh, come on, but I have room three, whatever. Okay, fine. And 1,700 people. 
and it was full. It was standing room only, it, and, and it was last and, day. It and, and so that sort of reaction, that sort of love for the show, because all you have to do is turn on the opening credits with the music, <laughs> and the entire place comes alive. And we we could have been anybody almost as long as we started the show with that. But it it is there. There have been great great uh, affection coming out of the fans and. To, to be honest, two two years of doing this pretty co- consistently, about once a month, um, we haven't had one squirrely trollish question from the audience. I know it's hard to imagine, but we have we haven't been beaten up by by people that want to, you know, why didn't you do it this way? You know, it's it's been it's well, been, it, it, it's like you I, said. That, I mean, number one, you said that. I mean, it's it's. It's in stone now. It, can, it, can't, <laughs> it can't be changed. It can't be done. That was that, that tickled me. I liked that response. I liked that answer. Um, but um, it, it, it doesn't make so much sense. What, what are the kind of questions that do get asked the most at panels? Usually who, who your favorite characters are and what your favorite uh, episodes were and why. And, and is there something you weren't allowed to do? Yeah. Uh, oh, right. And okay. I, we, we, could, we can answer that one here if you're interested. <laughs> no means. Go ahead. So uh, we were as writers, we were uh, we were always told you do not write down to your audience. You write up. You know, you're not writing down to kids. You write up. So that was very by liberating. The, by this one set of executives, everybody else in Hollywood says make it make it dumber and sillier because you're trying to write this and so children. By the end of the first season, again, we didn't think it was going to go past that. But when it came time to start thinking, well, what do you do for season two? Right. Then Eric yeah, got wh- the bright idea. Yeah. And the season <laughs> and the season one, uh, Scott. Uh, proposes to Jean on the beach, and yes, they're going to get married. It's, it's going to be difficult, you know. We're mutants. It's going to be a hard life ahead, and I wouldn't have it any other way. And the kiss, and so over the break when we finally when we finally heard we're going to be hired back. So what was the first thing? Oh, I know what we should do. We should start out uh, the season. Jean's seven months pregnant. Uh, uh, they're married. You know, have, they're married, and she's seven months pregnant. She goes around fighting bad guys. And they're, and, gonna guys, to- and they're going to have a double mutant child that's going to have certain problems. It just seemed like a natural thing. We just had two children. My head writer, Mark Edens, had just had a baby. We said, oh, this, this is perfect. This will fit. Everybody, all of our art people, <laughs> all of our executive people, all the guys that were serious fan people that knew the serious fan crowd wrote us and said, do you understand that <laughs> That our your core audience are twelve year old boys who are desperately in love with the three or four powerful women you have running around beating up superheroes. They do not want Jean to remind them of their pregnant mother. In spandex. In spandex, fighting bad guys. And Marvel wasn't keen on it. And Marvel wasn't keen on it. <laughs> so we pulled that back and did something else. But that was that was oh, the we, 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 we were innocents. We, we didn't realize we were overstepping the bounds there. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm going to go to um, a couple of questions um, on the, uh, the Q&A, and then we'll, we'll talk about definitely about the book and what's coming up for uh, X-Men. I mean, we've got a couple of comments. Uh, Solicitor Smeg um, talking about um, saying that you're not, art, you're not artists. Draw me a stick figure for all I care. Uh, if you sign it, it's still one of a kind. So you see, this is the kind of love that you get um, from um, uh, people, especially for the show. Um, Andrew Dickinson, in the UK, it's currently available to buy on Amazon, not on Prime. Uh, has it ever been available streaming on any service? Is Disney Plus the first time it's been available uh, okay. on, online? By subscription, it, I think for a while it had been on Amazon at like 
two ninety nine an episode, which it, yeah, it's like two, you, that's two pounds to pay two pounds for an episode for or, each episode. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. It in over over the last since it stopped being uh, uh, since we stopped doing new episodes in ninety seven, it's been shown secondarily in syndication all over the world, pretty constantly. Uh, just it just depended on on if your local TV station bought it, bought their package, bought the Fox Kids package, and and played it over and over. Mm-hmm. We've met a lot of people that that learned English, you know, because it, <laughs> it, it played in Saudi Arabia or Brazil or wherever they were growing up, uh, and it played and it played mm-hmm. and it played and it played. Um, when we started being interested in this back in 2015, it was playing on Hulu. And I think it was it, it was it was it was available for a short time, but then Disney took it off once they knew they were going to do Disney Plus. Yeah. So for the three years before Disney Plus came on, it wasn't available anywhere for free. Now I will say I've seen images. I think they're true that over in the UK, they released a box set of all five seasons of X Men on on your DVD. We never got that here. Yeah, we didn't get a we beautiful box set. Wow. Individual sporadically released with no extras no extras they we, we we even wrote wrote them said well look we we know all the we know the cast we know the artists we know the writers we know the the the, the stories behind the stories uh would you like some extras and, you know the the third level executive never got back to us and didn't yeah. want to bother listen i'm somebody who has got various friends who write and produce stuff for bonus features for british dvd producers Trust me, that's not a new, a new story. So don't worry about it. Don't 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 feel right. like specifically picked on on that one. Uh, you're not the only one. So don't worry about it. Um, you've got um, a couple of uh, questions here. Let's see if I can just pull this one up. Is that? I know that's one we've already had. Um, but there was a comment regarding um, your future with uh, X Men because uh, solicitors make could someone called Disney and tell them to let Julian Eric. Like the next X Men movie. Uh, well, maybe we'll get uh, uh, some two, two and a half good movies out of all the good, all the movies. Um, is it something that some? I mean, you've you've said it's something that's in the past. You do obviously have that love for the show, and you've you've got the books coming out, and you have this history with the show. But is is it something that you could feel that you could return to uh, in yeah. either in animated or in any other media? Is it something that you have a drive to do that to tell yeah. stories, continue that? Yes, yes, we, we've, yes. Been, we've been asked over the last couple of years when it became clear that Fox and Disney were going to get back together and the rights problems about doing more yeah. X-Men animated were, were going to go away. Uh, we've been approached by two or three folks saying, oh, what a great idea, either from fans or actually from producers that saw the money in it, mm-hmm. saying maybe we could maybe we could pitch you and because the, the original cast is almost still all available. Uh, and no one ages in animation. Yeah, That's yeah. <laughs> you don't have to worry about what anybody looks like yeah, at this point, twenty-five years later. And we've always been gung ho. And obviously, the, the the artists and the and the voice talent and the writers would do it in a heartbeat. First of all, it's a job. <laughs> <laughs> but second of all, ninety some percent of them, it was the best job they ever had. So they, there's great fond memory there. So. That could happen in a heartbeat. There could be a new show. There could be an animated feature. There could be an animated, say, just streaming feature. Like Batman did seven or eight, you know, DVD animated DVD movies. Which are brilliant. And DVD I, movies, absolutely. The latest Spider-Man movie was just yeah, amazing. Yeah, I, I was, we 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 both agree that the the best theatrical Spider-Man movie of the last twenty-five years 
is the animated world. Well, yeah, into the into the multiverse. Yeah, and yeah. so so there's there's a great there's a great fan market for that. We'd love to do it. Hollywood kind of progresses from generation to generation, <laughs> and the new people in charge, say in their thirties, that are making the decisions about who writes and does what, you know, have the people they work with. Like when 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 I got when when I got the X opportunity X Men and I was in my thirties, um, I didn't tend to think immediately of say sixty something writers that might have done something brilliant earlier. You know, I probably should have called up Star Trek writers from from the original show. I should have done and said, are, are you available to, do you know the X-Men, are you available? <laughs> but, uh, so I I think, you know, we we are, we will, we would love to do that. We've told our agent we'd love to do that. But I, th- I think the practical nature of Hollywood is that, is that new people like to make their mark. Well, that's true. And they like to make the mark with the people they're the most comfortable with. But we're happy to work with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, 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 yeah. We'll, I will also- I'm also reminded of the Douglas Adams quote as well about the uh, the Hollywood machine of making a movie, which is the equivalent of getting a uh, a piece of raw steak and having somebody and cooking it by having a person coming in and blowing on it, and then just having a, a cue of that, and that's how you make a movie. That's how yeah. you cook, that's how you cook a steak in Hollywood. But so, yeah, I kind of yeah. the, the, the machinery of it, the whole thing. So yeah, absolutely. Now, you've, you had the book two years ago, which was previously on X-Men, which was a big success, and it certainly it sort of helped um, as part of the whole um, well, continuing of the fan base of uh, yeah, the series. Yeah, yeah. Eric. I, 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 I wouldn't have written it if she had kept on uh, just saying, oh, come on, you're, you know, who else will <laughs> you know, just get forgotten? Well, that was the thing, because you know, Batman was having its, its 25th anniversary celebration as an animated series. All these anniversaries were coming up, and poor little, poor little X Men, dear little X Men, there wasn't a, a studio or or a corporate presence behind it that was going to celebrate that show. Yeah. We it came of age at a time when we got every script, we got every storyboard, we got all the notes, and we shoved everything above our garage. And it's like it's still sitting there. You know, this is no one else has this kind of access. So I kept poking him until he just said, okay, I'll do it. So he wrote this. I'm trying to see a regular pattern here. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, did this. And this, again, has has been for us a wonderful way to reconnect with fans and and let them know things that that truly no one's had a chance to talk about before. And and, and we got got to reconnect with people we'd worked with that we we felt so close to and even meet people. People don't understand. (laughs) On, on modest budget television, you go. You work so quickly. Uh, we'd write the scripts, we'd hand them off to the to the art people, and they'd do the storyboards, mm-hmm. and they'd hand them off to the voice people, and they'd do the voices, and they'd send them off to animation, and there'd be this this uh, assembly line yeah. of eight or nine different locations, and and then one day we'd wake up and we'd see our episode on TV, but we had never spoken. To the cast at all ever wow. they were all in toronto and we never got a chance to and, and it was just a, it's just a case they needed so many scripts so quickly that there wasn't time to write a script uh, enjoy it sit down with the <laughs> cast ponder it go over with the director there try, was no money try a few different there. things you know do a day of rehearsals it was just here's a script what's your hurry get it done and now we need 75 more 
but because of your book, you got a chance to reach out to yeah, talent, and we got to know them now for the first time in our lives after 20-odd years. Yeah, and, and, um, and, and hear about what it was like from, yeah. their, from their point of view. Which, which is fascinating. Was, yeah, a bit, a bit eye-opening. You, know, mm -hmm. you, you only see a certain percent, even if you're the showrunner, quote-unquote, you only see a certain percentage of what's going on and talking wow. to all the different bits of crew and, and artists and, 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 and cast really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Yeah, I can imagine. But um, so that book previously on X-Men, um, uh, really, like I say, great book. Um, what you you are bringing out for 2020 uh, yeah. is a, a whole new book project. What's new with this book? What's the, uh, what's the difference with this one? Funny you should ask. Yeah, it's completely comp <laughs> complimentary. This book was 210,000 words of of history and anecdote and who you know who saved the show from crisis a and and what it was like voicing wolverine and you know, all sorts of personal things and it being a, a fairly low budget publisher and without marvel's backing or yeah there's no color art in it whatsoever what little bits we put in were say storyboard panels and uh, sit. Uh, but so this was the history of the writing and the this, making of the this show. This is the personal history of where everyone right. in the show opens their their hearts about what it, what what it was like to make the show. Called previously on X Men, the and, making of an animated series. And 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 <laughs> what what went right and what went wrong. The new one is a coffee table book. It's an art book. Oh, it's gorgeous. And it's, it's, it's larger. Gorgeous. It has marvels. Uh, participation from the beginning. Marvel reached out just because of Eric's work on this book and yeah, said, oh, are you interested? Yeah, so, so we got the phone call. We've done this book <laughs> without their permission. And we got an email saying, uh, hi, I'm head of Marvel uh, merchandising. Uh, and, uh, licensing and merchandising. Licensing and merchandising. And I just read your book. And we thought, oh, well, here comes the lawsuit. Yeah, <laughs> Shut it down. Shut it down. And they said, no, everybody in the office loves it. We just think that now that Marvel, that Fox and Marvel are getting together, we should do the, the big art book that that's you couldn't have access to the art. Oh so, my God. So that's what we've been doing for the last year. And uh, if you like the art, you're going to yeah. love the book. Yeah. Dear God, we found some uh, sources. Yeah. And, and, so, and of course, it's a challenge finding old, say, uh, art, say, cells and original art material from thing, things that were done 25, 28 years ago. That wasn't meant to be permanent in the first place. Yeah. These yeah. things weren't stored uh, it's, it's, well. It's, 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 it's hard to tell fans that. Traditionally, they just would throw away the the hand painted artwork from the show, the art of the cells or whatever. And again, this show was 25, 30 years ago, so that was how they did it. They didn't maintain stuff like they did. Yeah, now. but luckily, you know, <laughs> enough collectors and enough people that you know, artists that held on to things, and you know, we were able to to really piece together. Uh, uh, there must be a couple thousand images. I tell you, if if because we're, we're having to catalog. Yeah. And uh, captured them all right now. We are at the tail end of our, <coughs> pardon me, of our work on that, and we're very excited. It's coming out with Abrams. Uh, you can look for it on Abrams Books website, or you can look for it on Amazon. And currently, X Men: The Art and Making of the Animated Series. Uh, it's us. So the, the some of the stories are the same, sto not the same stories, but we're telling the same story about the making sure. of the show. Yeah. But this is a completely different angle on it, and yeah. it's. Just and this it looks amazing. Maybe has ten percent of the amount of text the previous one did. Right. And this is more focused towards what was it like to have three hundred pounds of art material that you have to send over to Korea and hope it all gets gets put together properly. And uh, 
Yeah. I mean, how do you design take a design that's static on a on a comic book page and then turn it into something that 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 plays on, on an animated TV show? You, all the major artists, Will Minio, Larry Houston, uh, Rick Hoberg, uh, Frank Brunner, uh, uh, Frank Squalacci, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark Lewis participated in this. And yeah. it, it's just amazing. And we, we, we talked to them about their work, but also three of them gave us original material. Uh, Larry Houston, producer director, and Rick Hoberg did the, the two covers, the front and the back cover of, with the new original X-Men art. And Will Minio did a splash page uh, a new, uh, of new art as well. So who was who was like the the guy who was the supervising producer and kind of father of the whole project. So there's there besides being lots of wonderful stuff from 25 years ago, <laughs> there's new original material from the people that were responsible for it. And there's some um, stuff that hasn't been seen since the show ended. It's been hiding in boxes, and we found it. So. <laughs> Beautiful. How far is it away in production in terms of actually, have uh, you actually had them in your hands yet? Yeah. No, we, we, we have, we have an a, a electronic file of what we believe is the, the final policy. It's not the same. They're releasing it. The, the actual proper release of it is going to be at the New York Comic Con. We believe. Uh, October 20th. October 20th, 2020. Is the they, hope to have, they hope to have hardcover books of it a couple months before that to crossing fingers yeah yeah, yeah so that uh, and it all I mean, good luck with your hand luggage by the way i risk be a problem you know they're printing it in china okay that's fine uh, we'll just keep talking but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 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 coming out in october pre-order available now on amazon yeah they're already pre-ordering on and amazon that just came out a week ago it, yeah. that news just got announced a week ago and we're so excited the response has been so yeah. positive and fans have been so excited uh, so yeah. again again so positive about it so that's been thrilling. I mean, like I said, if you enjoyed the show, you're going to love the book. Yeah, and then look look up uh, on, online Abrams uh, Publishing. Abrams. Been, oh, no, they, I, I'm, I'm aware of their work. I mean, they've done some amazing work. Marvelous. Pop, pop, yeah, pop culture books. So. We live in a different age. Not many folks have coffee tables anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Go out and buy yourself a coffee table to put this book on it because that's what it's for. <laughs> Well, I, mean, I, think that's, I think that's a really exciting thing about that because I mean we, we talk we talk about the death of print we talk about everyone's reading stuff on tablets fine but to have something like that and to have um, a physical like I say a hardback which is something which really celebrates um, something like Expo and the animated series I think that's just it, it's just it, it must be so validating for all the the, the hard work that you put in back in the day, and also just kind of like the, the groundswell of uh, fandom over the years, just to have that as not as like the book end of the whole thing, because let's say it, the story's not done yet. Let's, let's, right. let's go with that. Let's go with that. But for now, the, the, this chapter, to have that thing there, I think that's just absolutely amazing. We're going to support it on the, the, the site, absolutely, and uh, looking forward to seeing it. It, it just... I'm really looking forward to seeing this thing print. Oh. Really am. Fantastic. And hey, you're in your neck of the woods. Uh, any any cons over there uh, you'd like to talk us up to? We'd love to come see you <laughs> over there someday. Listen, listen, I have been doing my best on that quarter. Trust me, I'm, I'm working on it. I really am. So, yeah, that's fantastic. We've got a couple of comments on the the, uh, uh, the chat. I mean, we've got, obviously, we kind of covered this. Um, the could you, oh, could you write an animated movie now with a great feedback? Yeah, we've we've kind of covered that. Absolutely. We'd love to. Do that. We'd love to. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. 
Uh, so it's just like, if I ever get married, I'm playing the X-Men and Red Dwarf theme song at my wedding. That's a requirement. His, his that's, a, that, that's a double checker. Yeah, no, no, no. My, my ringtone when Eric calls me is that is his theme song. I mean, come on. And, you know, and, and I see another comment here saying, well, good luck with that. And I'm saying, and the person responds, well, if that's not the, what my fiance wants, then it's not the right person. And I agree. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and we've got uh, Andrew Dickinson's always really great with um, some uh, really good, solid questions. Okay. Big, big questions. So what was the turnaround of the animation from sending off the artwork to getting the animation back? And this was uh, done in the early, early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't doing computer animation, which is a completely different animal, but you had to craft a storyboard here in the U.S. and send it overseas and have the art people there hand draw yeah. each individual cell. Our, 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 our general rule of thumb was it would take about three months from the time we decided we're going to do this beast story to get the writer to go through it and go through the various stages of premises and outlines and get getting feedback from Marvel and the you know dozen people that you need to get feedback from. Get the script done, get the storyboard done. The script would take out about a month. The storyboard would take six or seven weeks. Three artists split in thirds. So figure three months to have the finished storyboard and recorded uh, uh, voices and the basic pre-production materials that we have all set here ready to be animated, you send it overseas and they would take about four months. Mm -hmm. they, they, they said in, in X-Men is a really challenging, expensive thing to produce. So that was one of the problems early on. We, the, the, everybody overseas had under budgeted how much animation would have to take place to get these big stories done. You don't realize the level of special effects work until you consciously yeah. watch for so it. So we figured, you know, three months to get the thing ready, send over the huge boxes of stuff because it wasn't computerized. They would spend four months getting it all perfect, send back the footage. And then there, there was a bit of a little bit of a post-production time when uh, the uh, we have video editors trimming a little bit, lay layering and sound effects layering and music, that sort of thing. So maybe a month there. So like three months, four months, one month uh, to see the finished product. Mm -hmm. We'd basically figure about eight months from the time we started writing on a script, we'd see the final product. Wow. Excellent stuff. Thank you much to uh, that question, Andrew. Um, I think we'll just, uh, I mean, he also just pointed out this as well. I mean, this is the kind of thing that Andrew does kind of spot um, about the whole business of uh, the DVD set over here in the UK. He's just yeah. checked £199. Yes! That's not, that's not cheap. That's not cheap. However, that being said, that being said, we can now see it in nice, beautiful high def on Disney+. Plus. comes out over here. Uh, in March 25th, I believe. It's available in the States. We can enjoy X-Men, the animated series. It's a joy to have it and available uh, on a streaming service. It really is great to have it. It's great to have it back. Let's, let's, let's go with that. It's great to have it back. Yeah. Brilliant stuff. Thank you so much, Dee, for coming on and talking with us. It's just been a joy. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you, Julia and Eric. Um, where can people see you at conventions down the line? Because what, what have you got lined up uh, in the next couple of months? We, we are not at San Diego Comic Fest this weekend, although we've been there no. before and wonderful people. Um, we will be in San Diego, though, the week after. Uh, I'm looking at my calendar, the 21st and the 22nd for San Diego Rocket Con, which is a, a smaller, more intimate kind of thing. 
Uh, and then after we're still in the process of finishing up the tail end of our work on the book in like the PDF file form. So we're, we, we still got to get that done in advance of the October date. But so this coming 21st, 22nd in San Diego is, is, is the for sure deal. Yeah. But beyond that, we've kind of held back uh, making uh, 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 commitments this year. We're not quite sure. We know, we know about New York. We in, hope. We in hope. October. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, well, well, if they hold well, New York Comic Con, we'll be there. I'll be uh, well, we're going to get into that conversation next. So, uh, yeah, we believe that Marvel and uh, and Abrams, uh, I, they're planning to have a presence at San Diego in July uh, at the Comic Con. Whether we're a part of that or yeah. not, we don't and know. We yet, may be, and we may be a part of that as a kind of a uh, 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 an early uh, uh, pre a promotion, yeah, like a, a promotion of the book, like like maybe having a, some artwork from the cover to get people's interest. For, for October when the book I can't see why not. I can't see why not. I can't see why they wouldn't invite you on that. I just I just can't see it. So there we go. Excellent. Well, that's, that's, that's great to uh, hear that we're going to be seeing you out and about and certainly uh, kind of uh, promoting the book and getting ready for that release in October. So I'm looking forward to that. I do quite, I want to finish on this um, regarding that uh, statement about how much it was for the box set or the, the collected set here in the UK. We'll go, we'll finish on this. Still worth it. Oh. So there we go. Listen, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much indeed for coming on. One more time, where can people find you online and follow uh, the release of the book and also follow what you're doing? Uh, on Twitter, we are at X-Men TAS, which has been my abbreviation for the animated series to make the distinction. So X-Men TAS, which is also from Star Trek TOS, the original series. That's my <laughs> Uh, we have a website that is undergoing massive uh, upgrades and renovations, and that is xmentas.com. And uh, we are on Instagram, not nearly as much as we should be. And we have a page on Facebook previously on X-Men. So please find us. It's uh, the more the merrier. You know, we, we just... And then the book's available on, on Amazon. It's also available from the publisher directly. If you get it from the publisher directly, well, it's, it's difficult in Europe because it's or, or, you know, outside of the U.S. because... It costs so much. But so. through Amazon Print on Demand, you can get copies yes. in, in overseas uh, of previously on X Men. I'm coming to the states and buy mine. <laughs> I'll come over and get mine. Uh, if, if it if it if it means me coming over to the states and getting my copy, I'll come to the states and get my copy. We'll do that and take you out for a cup of something. All right. I am down with that. Eggs and stuff. <laughs> Julia and Eric, thank you so much indeed for your time and. Uh, Congratulations on the book and congratulations on all the celebrations with uh, X Men on Disney Plus. Thank you very much indeed for coming on. Thank you. Wow, that was awesome. Um, there you go. Uh, that was um, Eric and Julia. Do check out X Men on Disney Plus because it is um, a great series which still very much holds up. I mean, they we're talking about um, the uh, special effects and the way that the series kind of um, uh, develops uh, with its animation style. It just looks amazing. And I'm looking forward to seeing it certainly on that uh, uh, high def setup. So there we go. Excellent. Right, we're going to move on because we've got less than 10 minutes or so to go because we have Dan who's joining us from San Diego Comic Fest. Hello there, sir. How are you? I'm good. Can you hear me okay? We can indeed. So I'm going to put you full screen so we can see exactly where we are. We are in, by the looks of things, is it the dealer's room? Yes, this is the dealer's room, so I'm just kind of wandering around. 
what we're looking like for a Sunday because um, obviously the, the quiet day and oh, a familiar face. Yep. So it's been, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. How, how, I mean, you've been to the San Diego Comic Fest for the last couple of years now. It's a show that has been growing. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Sinkevich. Good to see you. Uh, um, so, yeah, I mean, how is San Diego Comic Fest this year? How's it developed for 2020? Well, with all the bigger guests they have this year, like Sinkevich and Wolfman, it seems to be more crowded, more or busier than it has been the past few years. Just all the big name guests that they brought in this year. Excellent stuff. I mean, I know that you've been to a number of the panels this year, and I've been you've been checking out what needs to be uh, to the the presentations and stuff. Uh, I mean, how has the show um, evolved and developed? Is, is it something that's still keeping that very it still has the same feel that it has the past few years with smaller panels, more focus on comics and the industry than opposed to Comic-Con, which is more entertainment-based for a lot of the panels as well as comic-based. I am quite liking the comment that Mr. Blue messages with. Um, the carpet is very Shining-esque. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. We, we've heard that about that. Uh, that. Um, excellent stuff. Um, so, uh, highlights for you so far in terms of um, what's been um, um, seen? The Marv Wolfen panel was great. The Bill Sienkiewicz spotlight panel was terrific. The uh, Mandalorian trial yesterday, trying to figure out if Mandalorian can keep the child or he has to go to family <laughs> services, was a very fun panel because they had um, law, real law students as well as a real judge from the L.A. Superior Court system presiding over it. Fair enough. And Mr. Scott Shaw, good to have him yes. around as well, as always. Excellent stuff. Um, and, yeah, Mr. Mike Royer. Cool. All going through some really impressive artwork, of course. Now, uh, the big conversation of the week has been, of course, uh, the uh, the cancellation of Emerald City, and we have seen cancellations through San Diego Comic Con. So who, who was it? Uh, Straczynski. There we go. Straczynski, who was a guest of honor. So this wasn't a small uh, guest. This wasn't something that just kind of. This was a major section of the program. How's that affected the show? I mean, one guest. How, how did it affect the show? Um, no, I mean, he did have a few panels scheduled, so they and he was going to be on a couple other panels, so they just kind of canceled his panels and realigned the panels that he was going to be a part of. Fair enough. Uh, into the Blue Mister uh, for being following uh, the uh, fest on Facebook. Lots of great content. We're going to be posting as much as we can. We do have a number of panels that have been recorded by Dan. We're going to get those up as soon as I've either color graded or reframed a couple of them. Uh, bear with us on that. So, uh, yeah, we're going to do what we can to get those up. Uh, now, yeah, so Mr. Smeg has corrected me. Emerald City Comic Con was postponed, not cancelled. You're absolutely right. It is going to be going through until the summer. In fact, I'm just going to talk to camera very quickly while Dan's uh, at the back of the panel. Um, we are, in the next couple of weeks, we should have an interview with Mike Armstrong from Repop. He's going to be talking about the, can uh, the postponing. He's going to be talking about that decision that Repop took to uh, postpone Emerald City Comic Con next couple of weeks with the let when it happens we're going to be having Mike Armstrong from Repop on the show looking forward to that um, that uh, particular episode 
But um, yeah, has, that, has it been a, a, a topic of conversation at uh, common events? Is this something that has been lingering in people's minds, or is it a case of let's just get on and enjoy it? I mean, it has been brought up. Yeah, like a couple of the guests here were planning on going oh, up to Emirates. Sinkevich was planning on going to Lake Como in Italy, but that whole area is now in quarantine. I think they said they're quarantined by 27 million right people. Yeah. yeah, and that's and Lake Como is right in the middle of the quarantine area. Yeah, we're, I'm, so, yeah. I'm kind of following that situation very specifically because, yeah, the, 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 the situation in Italy is just insane. Uh, Dan, rugby tackle, Wilson Kevich, rest him to the ground and uh, get him to come on the hangout. Listen. We are doing our best to get Bill on the hangout. I swear it's coming. I, I promise you it's coming. So, I yeah, Bill's contact info, so yeah. Right now he's here, yeah. he's doing he's signing and sketching for people. So if you yeah, his line has been like constantly busy in the more early parts of the day every day. Fair enough. Um okay, so I mean it's just been, I mean, it's looking like an amazing show. I mean, so much to see and so much to do. It's great that um, San Diego Comic Fest has uh, embraced a whole bunch of uh, pop culture that perhaps some shows would have um, neglected. I mean, that's, there you go, some great uh, Harryhausen uh, stuff uh, being represented as part of this anniversary. So it's been uh, very cool. Um, and and they're, they're actually going to auction those skeletons off. Oh, wow. Okay, fair enough. Uh, in terms for highlights so far for yourself, because you've been there all weekend, can you pick two off the top of your head highlights just for yourself? Um, sketches <laughs> and, <laughs> and the Sinkevich spotlight panel. Excellent. Well, I mean, that, like I say, that spotlight panel, hopefully we're going to get that up in the next couple of days. We're going to get that uh, calligrated and reframed, but uh, looking forward to that. Uh, I mean, you're, you're blitzing around this at the moment. You're, you're trying to, I mean, I think we need to slow down, get your breath back. Okay. Thanks. Let's, let, can you swing the camera around to you? Let's get a personal uh, take on this whole thing. Because uh, it is a show that is, I mean, the, the, the thing about uh, San Diego Comic Fest for me is that it is just such a personal show. It's a small, intimate con, and it is about your own relationship with the things that you love. That's what I love about San Diego Comic Fest. That's where I'd really love, love to go. For yourself then, Dan, um, what has been, uh, I mean, it's just been something that has been a, a great show for us to follow online, but for yourself, what's been the, the emotional connection with the show? Um, emotional? connection yeah i mean it is something that you uh, i mean do, 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 do you love this show do you like oh, I it do. Do you? yeah i do love it yeah I, I mean it's a local show full of great talent both local and local with local now as well as some veterans from the comic book industry like donna Barr, uh, roberto gregory are both here we're, we're kind of losing you for a bit. Yep, I think we're kind of losing you. Because I think the signal as he gets deeper and deeper in the hotel. Um, I, I, mean, I think the reason why I brought that question up is something I'm going to. It's something I'm going to bring up a lot at, um, uh, when it comes to interviews. Is the fact that it's about that connection and um, really kind of not just attending these shows because we feel like we have to. We're attending these shows because we love it. Did you just pass Mr. Sharp there? 
Um, I didn't see him, did I? I don't I remember thought, seeing him. I, I, I recognize his frame. He's in there. He's out there somewhere. Yes, Liam Sharp is in there at the Comic Fest this week. That is, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a top bloke. There we go. Yeah, I talked to him. Okay. I talked so, to him. I mean, Oh, sorry. I told me yesterday he loves the show. He loves coming out here for it. And I did pick up a little sketch from him, which I showed you. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we've got so this comment from Solicitor Smeg. I look at uh, Emerald City's Comic Con's normal convention center. The only summer weekends fully opened our first weekend in July and the weekend right before San Diego Comic Con. So it might be bad for people wanting to go to both. I appreciate that, but I think. Repot, I mean, it's like the comment that Andrew Dickens said. Repot were in a no win situation, they really were so that's so stuck on us. Like I say, we're looking forward to getting, um, uh, looking forward to getting uh, Mike Armstrong from Repot on the show. So, there we go, right? Listen, Dan, we're gonna let you kind of enjoy the show and uh, let you enjoy San Diego Comic Fest because the, uh, the I mean, even the Sunday is a, a quite a packed. Lineup, so we're going to let you get up and enjoy it. But it's cool. looking, it's looking busy. It's looking positive. Everyone's looking bright, um, which is great. I mean, no one's kind of looking in a down, kind of sour <laughs> mood. So it's Sorry. good to see that everyone's kind of like getting through the weekend, as it were. Very much so. Excellent. Stuff. Okay, listen, Dan. We'll let you get off. Enjoy the rest of the show. Uh, thank you very much for giving us a bit of a glimpse at San Diego Comic Fest. Um, but um, we'll let you get off and enjoy the rest of it, mate. Cool, thanks. Okay. Take care. We'll see you soon. Bye. So there you go. Uh, Dan Berry has been bringing us a lot of content. He's been taking loads of pictures and he's been filming a lot of the panels. Like I say, going to try and get those up in the next couple of days. Really wanting to uh, share with you the Sinkevich um, spotlight, the uh, Liam Sharp panel. The guy's always a, a good draw. He's a good fun uh, panel host uh, of panel uh, um, subjects. And you got TJ Shelvin as well, who's uh, the, the uh, panel host for a couple of the uh, shows that uh, uh, Comic Fest. So, the guys, they know what they're doing. Right, so there you go. Um, I'm being pestered by a cat that I think wants to get fed. Uh, so I'm going to get off and uh, let you enjoy the rest of your Sunday. The highlight of today, obviously, was that great chat with Eric and Julia. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, really appreciated them coming on the show. And, uh, yeah, that's the kind of thing that we want to try and bring you more of as we get closer and closer to San Diego Comic Con. We do have some great guests lined up, and we'll try and announce some of those in the next couple of days. Yes, we are looking forward to getting uh, Bill Sinkovich on the Hangout. Uh, he does keep saying he's going to look at his uh, calendar. We'll see what we can do about that. And Billy Tukey as well, uh, wanting to talk to him. That's going to be a, a slightly different conversation. I want to talk to him about some big picture stuff, especially when it comes to the comic industry. So uh, Billy Tukey, hopefully going to get him on shortly. Um, that This is a good point, and it's a, a comment from... Uh, uh, hoping WonderCon isn't going to fall victim to germophobia 2020 like Emerald City Comic Con has. Right, I do want to cover this very, very briefly before we do wrap up. Um, coronavirus is the big um, disease du jour. It's very much um, a, a thing which has been um, covered certainly by the world media and exploded out of some very 
serious proportions. When you see headlines of supermarkets with toilet paper being uh, hoarded by people, the, the fact that you're seeing uh, hand sanitizer uh, going up by 600% on Amazon, it's just a ridiculous situation. That being said, we can't underestimate the seriousness of coronavirus. The thing about it is, at the end of the day, it's, um, it kept, when it's contracted, it doesn't have any outward um, uh, symptoms. A mild cold for most people who have it, but for the vast majority of the major symptoms of coronavirus, because it's not just a cold, it is, at the end of the day, a bacterial virus. It means that um, it's the stuff that um, can affect those with underlying symptoms and the elderly. This is a serious problem for a planet which has a population control problem. This could be uh, kind of the coal, and that's a bit of a serious thing to think about. This is your parents, this is your grandparents, but we could be bringing that to them by going to shows like Hell uh, City, and this is why the gatherings of large people have been curtailed. It's the reason why it is a serious you look at the graph when it comes to contracted cases. Yes, the body gets a, an immune system and does shake off corona within a 14 to 21 day period. That's two weeks when we are interacting with the rest of the world. It's a serious thing. It's a not serious thing. But it's something that we do need to keep a very close eye on. And at the end of the day, when we talk about this thing that we love, going to conventions, and gathering in large numbers, you can understand the concerns that Reebok had and the reason why, with the millions of dollars that they invested in that show for next weekend, why they made a decision to make the pull. That being said, the artists and talent that were due to appear at Emerald City and at other shows that may uh, have to cancel, these are people that have invested flights and hotels and stock and for as independent comic producer or for uh, anyone really in the comics industry where there is no money that can be a real serious problem and that could absolutely lay someone low not health wise but just generally when it comes to their running of their business and the ability the ability to make comics so if you wouldn't mind if you see someone online who is a going to, was going to be going to a convention, was going to be going to Emerald City, and is saying out loud, this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt my ability to eat and pay my rent or make books or produce art. Do what you can to check out their links, find out the way to support them, and if you can, just throw them a couple of dollars and just try and help them out because this is really, really hard work. This is hard work for a lot of people. Um, I put, uh, Michael P is saying MLC made the right decision. I, I, I do agree. They do. It was something that they... I understand the amount of money that went in, goes into... This was the first big con in North America to really kickstart the 2020 season. This was the first big one. And to make that decision to pull the plug with less than um, 14 days to go. That's just so, so difficult. So there we go. Please support the artists that you love. Please support the artists that you spot online and you just happen to like something that they've done. I guarantee they'll be showing some artwork and saying, this is what I was going to be bringing. This is the kind of thing that I do. 
if you like it throw them a dollar throw them a couple of dollars if you can because at the end of the day that this kind of thing could absolutely lay people low and we've seen it on social media where they've just gone this could be this could be my career this could absolutely end me the fact that I've invested in the show and I've got no way of getting any return yes Emerald City has been postponed but there's a long time between now and July thank you very much indeed for watching um, stay safe um, wash your goddamn hands 20 seconds um, I was just trying to think of a theme tune something uh, you could whistle to yourself I've been doing the fear litany fear is the mind killer from Dune I've been doing that um, Find something that you can just whistle to yourself for 20 seconds. Palms, front, back, fingertips, crevices. Do what you can to keep yourself safe, your friends safe, your family safe. For myself, do take care. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Uh, I'm back again next Sunday, and I'll do my best to try and bring you another guest, which I think you'll enjoy uh, for next week. For my Patreon supporters, thank you very much indeed for your support. Um, and um, I will be updating, obviously, the Patreon list for next week. If you are a new supporter, we'll be showing you our love on next week's show. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And from me to you, say goodbye. Take care.